0: This time to meet together we ask for you to come and teach us tonight uh we need your holy spirit and we need him to reveal we need him to bring understanding bring clarity we need him god to uh, really bring your word to life and i pray for that living word to uh, really reach into us tonight and change us let's pray father for your help to be open and for your leading and guiding for each one of us as we uh, allow your word to have its effect in us, so uh, be glorified and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <coughs> now, years ago, uh, as as far as uh, our discipleship was concerned, our program and kind of our philosophy of discipleship as it was being. Uh, developed one of the questions, one of the big questions that we uh, were asking people were was looking at the, the question of identity. In other words, answering the question of who am I? Uh, that, that was kind of a big one. There were two main questions of discipleship. Uh, that's the way we approached it and we still do approach it but that was what we were thinking at the time, that's what God was revealing. Uh, one of them was who is God and specifically who is Jesus in that equation, and then the other is who am I, in other words what's my identity, uh, what, how do I see myself, how do I understand myself in the economy of God, in the economy of God's purpose, plan, his kingdom, uh, how he operates in the world, what should I expect in my life, who am I, and what, is, uh, <clears throat> what, what does God have to say about that. And I come to some kind of understanding of it, and so uh, it's more than cliche for us in, in the sense that it's really a, one of the two key questions as far as our call, and as far as what God is doing in us and through us right now. So who am I? And that I'm going to go through some verses tonight that are going to answer the question. And and really, I don't know that that is the main issue. I don't know the main issue is answering the question. I think most of us uh, can figure out the answer to the question, reading the Bible. Uh, I think that more importantly, and I think a a key to understanding it is what are we going to choose to believe? And what are we going to choose to act on? And that becomes really the issue that, that I don't know how to boil it down any more than that is that you believe certain things about yourself. You see yourself a certain way, and even if people tell you something different for years, years, and I mean years, people can tell you something different about you, you can still choose to ignore years of people telling you something different than what you believe and continue to believe exactly what you've always believed about yourself. And, and that's up to you. Uh, no one can force that kind of a change in your mind, which is kind of unfortunate in a way it's it's fortunate in the sense that we're free we have a free will we can choose it's up to us and i mean that's all good the problem with it is is that people are living subpar they're living less than what they could be living because they just refuse to change their mind the way they see themselves and because they refuse to change their mind the way they see themselves they never really develop into who god wants them to be they never really become that person that God wants them to be. Somehow, the disciples uh, who were with Jesus were able to change their minds about themselves. Because they saw themselves, I mean, well, who were they? They were fishermen, some of them. Some of them were uh, political activists, at least one of them was. Uh, One of them was a tax collector. They, They had different roles, they came from different places, but... They, they somehow had to change their minds about how they saw themselves because it wasn't going to be a fisherman that was going to take the words of Christ and change the world. They, they didn't see it that way and they weren't gonna see it that way. And, and it didn't happen necessarily and you can think to yourself well it's because they were with Jesus. Well yeah but after they were with Jesus after he was dead they went back to fishing if you look at the account where'd they go? They went back to where they came from. And there, there was another encounter after the resurrection where they encountered Jesus again. So maybe that was the point. I don't know. But it, it, we can't just dismiss it. Well, it's because they were with him physically. Because the truth of the matter was that after they were with him physically and after he was already dead, they were still fishermen. And they were still going back to be fishermen that's what they had decided that's who they were and that's what they were going to do they made that decision but at some point sometime after this this other encounter after the resurrection uh and it could have been and you could think okay well maybe something happened there and maybe there was other maybe there were other times that jesus appeared to them And then there was the day of Pentecost, but they had already left fishing for that. You you see what I mean? They were gathered together in a room, 120 of them, and had made their decision that they were now a part of something else. They were no longer fishermen. They weren't out making their money fishing anymore. They were together in one place, and they were worshiping, and they were waiting for something. Their identity somehow don't know how, somehow had changed. They made a different decision. They saw themselves differently. I want you to think about times in your life that maybe have been kind of like that for you, where something's happened or maybe nothing happened, but you you changed your mind about how you saw yourself or the way that you, you decided that who you were. And I don't know if you have any experience like that at all. I, I tell a story a lot. When I was younger, we used to move a lot. And so every time I went to a new school, I had the opportunity to be somebody different. Those of you that went to the same school your whole life, you were just whoever you were. Right? <laughs> but when you, you travel and, and you move a lot, you know, 22 times in my first 20 years, we moved. Uh, yeah, I had plenty of opportunities to be somebody else. And, you know, invariably, uh, at least most of the time, I shouldn't say invariably, because it, there were certain times that were different, but, I mean, we are just who we are. And even if you're going to be somebody else, like you make a decision like that, uh, a lot of times you just end up who you were anyway because you've made that decision already. Even though your environment changes, even though you have another opportunity, even though you can be somebody else, you end up just who you are. Because you're still seeing yourself the same way. So I I just, uh, I wanna encourage you because there there are those times in our life where we hear this clearly, and I, and I wanna encourage you not to ignore it, where we say, This is who I am. Right? And that's the most common thing. We say it. I say it. You say it. This is who I am. But then there are those times that God says, This is who you are. So we got those two different things. Now they don't necessarily agree with each other. This is who I am, I say. It. This is who you are, this is what God says. So you got these two voices speaking on the same subject, but maybe things that don't match up. And so we're left with a decision to make. Who are we going to believe? I'm saying this is who I am. God's saying this is who I am. I can't necessarily see what God is saying. And that's always the case. Now if you hear God saying this is who you are, most of the time you can't see it. I don't even know I can't think of any time in my life where I could actually see it when he said that and so I'm left with a choice I'm either going to believe him in faith or I'm just going to believe myself of course which is easier believe self. which gets you to the same place that you've always been believe self. which requires no faith believe yourself which requires you not taking any chances whatsoever believe yourself just believe yourself the other way is to believe God and to apply some faith to that and to what he says and see what happens because those are the moments to me those are the moments when life changed, when attitude changed, when the we see ourselves can change It's possible. It's, it's possible. It can happen. But those are those moments where that can happen. All right, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We're just going to look at a verse that, that really speaks to this. It's just a straight-up verse, and it's God speaking to us, telling us who we are. And I know it's not the special snowflake verse for you in particular that tells you, you know, your little particular thing, okay? This is just a verse that tells us who we are. A verse that speaks to every single one of us. A verse that reveals something to every single one of us about who each of us are. And we share these things. These are things that we can say we share. All right? uh, so these aren't our special snowflake things. These are our, in general, this is who you are things. And I suppose if you could start with these, it might be a great step in the right direction for us, for you, for me. I mean, just to realize that we share these in common. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on when I talk about holy. When God says that we're holy... I'm going to talk about that and how uh, that is spoken over a people. It doesn't diminish the characteristic, however. None of these characteristics are diminished because it's spoken of, over us as a people. They're they, they the same. They're applied exactly the same. And each one of us, it's, it's that measure that God has for us as to who we are. So we need to, to look at this. Maybe a, a good place to start. I'll leave it at that. So maybe a good place to start. So first Peter two nine. Somebody read that please.
1: But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light.
0: Okay, thanks for reading that. So it starts off with you. But you. And the the word there is speaking of setting your sights on something. In other words, what does it mean to set your sights on? What's another word we use for that? Focus. Okay. Focus. More specifically <coughs> of setting your sights up. Focus is correct. Goals. Look ahead. What's a sight? See. It's targeted. Yeah, so you set your sights on something, you aim at it. Okay, right. So everything you just said is right, but it's really to take aim at something. And so when he begins this, he says, "This is who you are." In other words, but you. In other words, this is something you need to set your aim on, set your sights on, target goals, whatever, whatever you guys said. I mean, but but these are things that you can look at in particular for your life as an individual and set your gaze on it. Say, somebody look at uh, stay in First Peter, but Colossians three. In verse 3.
2: For you died, and your life is not hidden with Christ in death.
0: Okay, verse
2: 5. Put to death, therefore,
1: whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry.
0: Alright. So what, you know, those verses and what they are talking about and what we're talking about here are the ideas of looking and seeing where you want to go and then how are you going to get there. Alright? And, and they deal with that kind of an issue. We're setting our sights on, in other words, we're looking at this as this is where we're heading. And we're just setting our course toward that. Right? But that's part of making a decision. To say in faith this is who God says I am and whether or not it's a general word like this is to each one of us or it's a specific word when God speaks a word of prophecy over you you either are going to set your sights on that and you're going to move toward it or you're just going to ignore it all right that whole notion where we sit there and we receive this word from God and say, well, if God wants to do it, I guess He'll bring it to pass. Well, He would have done that without the word, wouldn't He? Why do you think He gave you the word? No, think about that for a second. If He was just going to bring it to pass, He just brought it to pass. He didn't need to give you that word. Why is He giving you the word? Think about it. He's giving you the word because you have a role to play in it. You have a part to play. If it's applying your faith toward it, then that's your part. If it's taking action, that's applying your part. But He's giving you a word for a reason. So we set our aim on that. We set our sights on that. We set our gaze on that which God has said, and we begin to move in that direction. That's our part. Whether it's a spiritual movement, or a physical movement, or an emotional movement, or whatever it is, I don't know. I'm not here to give you individual instruction on an individual word, but in general, when you receive that prophetic word, you have been given that word for a reason. And it's time for you to take action after you receive it. By sitting there and saying, Well, if God wants to do that, I guess He'll do it. You're just copping out. Right? That's all that is. You're responding in fear. You're responding in doubt. That's what it is. And guess what's going to happen, probably? Nothing. Nothing. Because you're ignoring the word that you were given. That's it. So you. <clears throat> You, this is for you to set your sight on, to set your aim on. Alright, here's the words. Here's the words, here's the scriptures. It says, you, this is who you are. Set your sights on this. One, it says you're chosen. You are chosen. And uh, the idea that this gives is the idea that Israel has perfected over the centuries. Israel has perfected this idea in their national identity that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are chosen and that everybody else are dogs. They get it. In fact, they get it too much because they've taken it too far and they've rendered themselves completely ineffective for God's purposes in the world today, and they're done. So, what I'm trying to say here is we're not taking it that far. But we're understanding that from all the families in the whole world, God chose the family of Abraham for his purposes. And so all of Abraham's descendants, somebody as I'm talking, just look at Amos 3 2. See, there might be something there for us. But he selected from all the families of the earth Abraham's family. And then, and then, as the centuries passed, he took Abraham's family and he selected a new little group a new little tribe, a new little clan, and that's us. You see, we had to be adopted in, right? But you think originally the original Christians where, you know, it was Jesus and the disciples and then the 120, well they got selected out of, literally, out of that little family of all the families of the earth that God originally chose He selected that little, little, little piece of it. He said, now you're chosen. And so as we've been adopted in and then taken from, we're chosen. And we have to understand that. That we're different. That we've been selected for His purposes. And you can talk about being called. You can talk about being... Saved or whatever it is you want, what words you want to put there, but the word used here and the word that Peter is conveying to us under the direction of the Holy Spirit as part of our identity, our tribal identity, is that we are chosen. Our tribe has been chosen. And here we are. And so the millennia, the centuries that came before, we were chosen. Just like every Jewish person, you know, two millennia from Abraham still knew they were chosen. You've got to understand as spiritual descendants of all these people that have come before us that you're chosen. Not to a point of pride, but just to a point of fact that you're chosen. And why would it be important for you to know that you're chosen? Why is that important? You guys ever play sports when you were younger? (coughs) Yeah. Pick teams? You get two captains, right? I always hate to be a captain. Alright, but two captains. Okay, choose your team. So who are you going to pick? The best. The best! Right! So you're picking the best, you're picking the best, you're picking the best. Yeah, what happens at the end? (laughs) So yeah, you got people who can't play so well, and <laughs> no, not so you get whoever you get, right? At the end, it's like, all right, well, who do you want? I don't care. Go ahead. Over here, over here. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> Get the
3: drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even
1: if they're your best friend, you're
3: going Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, matter. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah,
0: I love you, but you suck. All right. <laughs> Especially
2: if you not first, last. You're last. last right?
0: <laughs> but, you know, there's this idea in us, and... We don't want to be the last, do we? Like that, because you're not really chosen. Then you're just, yeah, don't have to. yeah you're, you're just the, you're the extra that's coming along. You know, like if you're the first one taken, it's like, ooh, there's pressure there. You know, you must know, be think I'm good. You know, and, and that's the idea of, of being chosen. Is that we are all a part of this because we've been chosen to be a part of this. Uh, and we're not picked based on our skills and stuff like we do for teams, but we, we have been chosen and we have been picked and we have been brought to this place for this time for these purposes. And there's something serious about that. There's something important about that. Amos 3, 2. Somebody look that up.
2: You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins.
0: Okay. The idea with that, forget about the punished part, he was talking to them. (laughs) The the, the idea behind that job is that from all the families of the earth, you know, he, he picked Abraham's family. And he reminded them both of positive things and of that case, that's a negative thing in a way, but he wanted them to make sure that they understood. It's like, well, I picked you. I picked you and I have expectations of you and I have... I have dreams or, or you know or whatever you God would use for that kind of a word like I have plans for you I have purposes for you I have uh, I, I have a future for you and so that's all part of being chosen so as part of our identity part of our identity needs to be that we are chosen we're part of a tribe that God has picked for whatever his purposes are. One of the the original, and this is years and years before there was ever a church, and I wrote down, I I still have it somewhere, a a bunch of things and a bunch of ideas. I read a bunch of uh, things about, whatever, churches and philosophies and planting and all this other stuff. But one of the things that God spoke to me, and it has to do with the tattoos on my right arm, it was before I had the tattoo, is that he's choosing us as a tribe that we would be a tribe here and that as a tribe that we would live a certain way and we would know one another a certain way and that our existence would reflect more of that than it would a corporate existence. In other words like a a business arrangement or or some type of other uh, organization, organizational arrangement. We were going to exist more as a tribe which I think over the years we have. And I think it's been clear that we're not really that good as an organization, you know, per se. You know, how many business meetings you guys remember ever having? None. You know, because we don't. You know, and I don't know that we do business that well. And, but we were never called to. And we were never, you know, it wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of the, uh, the vision that guy gave. But we would live a certain way, and we would take care of one another a certain way, and we would look out for one another a certain way, and we would, some of us would go, but they would always be part of the tribe. You know, people would, would go in, in, into other countries, people would go in other parts of the United States, people would leave here for jobs, they'd leave here for whatever reason they would leave here, but they would be part of the tribe. You know, I thought of that the other day because Melissa came back with Trevor, you know, and and I know Trevor does not understand what's going on fully, you know, and that's okay, you know, and he told me, he said, he's like, yeah, Melissa was like, yeah, we need to go back, when we have a child, we need to go back to Syracuse and have them bless that child, and he's like, my first reaction was like, why? why do we go to Syracuse, to, you know, again, there's churches down here, there's people down here that care about us and all this other stuff and he said to me, he said, but I visited with you guys and the, after the first time I visited with you guys and I saw how you are, I knew why we had to come back.
1: Oh, wow, that's cool. cool.
0: Yeah, and, and so you know like seeing her every now and then reminds me of that. Reminds me of, of that type of relationships. And, and where people come from and, and who they are. and uh, People like, uh, is, as weird as it is, but somebody like RJ. You know, RJ is whatever RJ is, alright? But he always comes back. You know, Maybe it's because he gets kicked out of jail and it's warm out, I don't know. But he always comes back. You know, he texted me the other day, he supposedly he's back in Florida working and just heading to Puerto Rico to help build hotels down there or something. I don't know what's going on. But he'll keep in touch every now and then. And all of us have people that were here or that were part, you know, and maybe a little part of what you were doing more than what other people, and they keep in touch and they, they remember and they know. We bring back our missionaries every year for a reason. Because we need to we need to have that contact and we need to renew those ties and those friendships and those relationships it's impractical to do what we do and probably is a bit ineffective on the field for what we do but I don't know that we could exist any other way it's just part of who we are second thing here is a royal that were chosen which is good Excellent. Fantastic. But we're also, it says, a royal priesthood. Literally, uh, somebody look at Exodus 19.6. Because Peter is pretty much quoting Exodus here. A lot of the New Testament is just Old Testament. Regurgitated. Exodus 19.6. And somebody else, if you're not... Everybody's looking at Exodus 19.6. Revelation 1.6. The next verse, if you're there. Okay, so Exodus 19.6 says what? And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. All right. Do you see how Peter's pretty much quoting us here? All right? Because this is who God sees his people as. This wasn't just Peter making it up. All right? And it wasn't Moses making it up. This is what God says. And this is who God says that we are. So, literally, when Peter in 1 Peter 2.9 says that we're a royal priesthood, literally translated is what was just read. That we are a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. That's the literal translation of that. Revelation 1.6 says what?
3: And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay.
0: So, think of it as God's organized empire. (laughs)
2: Right?
0: God's organized empire. And every person that's in the empire, all of us, every single one of us, is a priest. So, if you'd see it as an organized empire of God, the kingdom of God, the organized empire of God, each person that's in that organized empire is a priest. Each one of us. And so part of our identity is that we are a part of a huge organized empire and that we are a priest, each one of us. Now, the word royal... In this sense, I want you to think of it this way. Don't think of it as being a king or a queen, but I want you to think of it as belonging to the king or queen. In other words, think of it in terms of like the royal estate, the royal limousine, the royal vestments. Okay, you following me? The royal hounds. at least the royal family <coughs> yeah, do, you see, do you see how all those things are royal but they're not the king or the queen but they belong to are associated with are connected to the king and so I want you to think of it that way that we are a part of an organized empire each one of us as being a priest who is individually And collectively connected to the king. Does this make sense to you? Mm -hmm. All
2: right. Okay.
0: That was the one I was worried about. That seemed to go really smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: All
0: right. Now here's the word. Okay. So we're chosen. We're a kingdom of priests this is our identity so we're a tribe a kingdom of priests in other words we're priests in god's organized empire and then the next word is holy and people have a real hard time with holy you know how i overcame that i'll give you my my secret it's not really a secret because of you've heard this before but i started praying Uh, could you not tarry one hour and some of you remember that Uh, I think we might have done that as as part of our kinship retreats one year Uh, but it was a book by Larry Lee that I read when I was still living in Fredonia so it was a long time ago and the book basically gives a model of prayer based on the Lord's Prayer which is the model of prayer it's based on the Lord's Prayer and if you follow the model you pray for an hour that's what it is. And so as part of the model that he describes in that, there's this one part where it, you pray uh, and, and you speak holiness of yourself. You, you speak holy. God, make me holy even as you are holy. All right, because the Bible says, be holy even as God is holy. And I started praying that every day. Now, what's the issue with being holy that we have? Anybody? Needs to be all perfect and whatnot? Yeah, we're not holy. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. Yeah. At least by our definition of it, right? And so our definition of holy and what holy is, we can't possibly live up to it. And so it creates an apparent contradiction. If God commands us to be holy even as He is holy, and it's an impossible task, how does that make any sense? And then you have to start asking yourself this question, which I did many, many times Why is God holy? In other words, how do we know God is holy? How do you know that? Because he says so. He is self-defining as holy. So does that mean he has to live up to your standard of holiness? No. He doesn't. In fact, he does things in the Bible that contradict what we would normally think would be holy. He says things, he does things, and he commands his servants to do things... That we would not necessarily believe are holy based on our own judgments. But it's not up to us to declare him holy. He's already done that. And he is holy because he says so. And that's all that matters. Do you know why you're holy? He said so? Because he says so. Yeah. Yeah it's the same way he's holy. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to believe he's holy, you can believe you're holy too. Alright? That's the only way any of it makes sense. Because if you're defining holiness, then he's not holy and neither are you. If he's defining holiness, he's holy and so are you. What do you think?
2: So you're kind of changing the the way you're reading that statement then. Like he's making more of a pro- de- prophetic declaration rather than a command of something we do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He's proclaiming it just as he's proclaiming it here. Which is more in line with what he's doing here, what he did in Exodus 19, and what he continues to do. Because if you think about it, Israel... When he first proclaimed this, when he proclaimed Israel as holy, they were standing under Mount Sinai. And he's like, go tell them that they're holy. Go proclaim to them that they're holy. Now, were they sinners? Yes. In fact, you know, the first time he came down from the mountain, what were they doing? Worshiping a calf. You know, worshiping a calf. They're dancing around a golden calf. Made him so <laughs> mad, he busted up the Ten Commandments. So, but God's like, "Well, go tell them they're holy." Well, why are they holy? Because Moses says they're holy? <laughs> no. 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 Because God says so. And He proclaims them holy as a nation. You see and and now it's us. This is common to us all. You see that? Your failure does not exclude you from this. It can't. And it won't. And it doesn't. And so that individual thought, that individual judgment that you want to make, has got to stop. Because you're judging you, but you're also judging God. And you're judging every person around you that needs to stop. It's got to stop. Because there's a major truth that God wants to bring about in your life that if you can't just stop it, you're never going to be able to receive it. have an interesting phrase of peculiar people this is a great word picture I'm not going to take a long time with it but calling us a peculiar people is a a really cool thing there's a couple verses you can look up Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 9 and uh, let's see how it's related Ephesians 1 7 I have a question mark besides this one but if somebody wants to look it up we may just ignore it, but Acts twenty twenty-eight. So First Thessalonians five nine, Ephesians one seven, Acts twenty twenty-eight. A peculiar people, in other words, God's own people for His own purpose. And I'll explain how you can see this. Is a great word picture. Like what this actually means is a great word picture. Okay, First uh, Thessalonians five nine.
3: For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. With Receive salvation through
0: our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Ephesians one seven. In other words, that we are appointed. All right, and, and you'll see what it is. Okay, Ephesians one seven.
1: In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace.
0: Okay, who do we belong to? In both those verses, who do we belong to? Jesus. 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 God. Okay.
3: Yeah. Acts 20.28 Keep a watch over yourselves over and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God which he brought with his own blood. Okay, so in
0: other words he purchased, he bought with his own blood. So we belong to him. Okay, this, this idea of a peculiar people is this. It's the word literally for pocket money. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's the money somebody would carry in their own pocket. Here's what that means. That, alright, say for example, the way my household works, I'll get paid and the money I get paid goes into the bank, alright? that becomes our money, all right? So the bills get paid out of that, um, things get bought out of that, as far as uh, clothing, uh, whatever needs get bought, uh, savings comes out, of that. I mean, all kinds of stuff comes out of that, but that's our money, that's our family money. But I get money sometimes, it goes in my pocket. You know whose money that is? Yours. That's my money. All right. That means I'm gonna spend it within the next 12 hours. <laughs> Guaranteed.
1: <laughs>
0: and then I won't have any more money. But the idea is is money in your pocket is your money. It's nobody else's. You're not sharing it with anybody. You're not thinking about anybody else with that money. That's your money to do with whatever you want to do with. Well, that's what literally that phrase means of peculiar people. You're in God's pocket. And you belong entirely to Him to do with what He wants to do. And I think that's a great word picture. Hmm. But what does that mean? That means He does with you what He wants. If you're choosing to live that way. If you're choosing to accept this as part of your identity uh, in God's pocket then that means you're choosing to accept the fact He spends you as He wills. That you belong entirely to Him and He's going to do what He wants to do with you. Period. And that's part of your identity with Him.
2: It makes evangelism pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it does. <laughs> and this is, uh, I told you I'd get back to this. And I want to hit this before we get done because there's a couple more points. But uh, one, th- there's a. Uh, a word in the King James in this passage in First Peter two nine, it says to show forth. Is it in your Bibles? To shoe forth. In where? It's in the verse In the first
2: Peter.
0: Yeah. No. To shoe forth.
3: His
0: yeah, to his declare, declare his praise. Yeah.
3: Presence.
0: Yeah, his presence. Yeah. Okay. The idea behind that word is a super rare word in in the Bible. It only occurs in, I don't know where, but not very often. To show forth. And the idea behind it is to proclaim to those without what has taken place within. That's what it means. To proclaim to those without what has taken place within. And this is what God's called us to. And this is where Israel failed. You see, they became so exclusive that they stopped being the people that God could use to show forth. In other words, he had called them and he had empowered them to declare and proclaim to those without what was taking place within. But they became so exclusive and they became so centered on themselves that they gave that up and they refused to do it anymore. They lost track of their purpose. And so God, from the midst of them, brought a this new little tribe. And we're that little tribe. And our purpose for being called is to show forth. To proclaim to those without what is going on within. Psalm 105, 15. It gives you the true function of the prophets. And prophecy and why God has put it in you and we use this all the time I want you to understand this is part of our philosophy of evangelism this is part of our philosophy of showing forth of proclaiming whatever you want to call it, this is it so Psalm 105, 15
2: do not touch my anointed ones do my prophets no harm
0: yeah, why? why did he have to say that?
2: (laughs) they kept killing them (laughs) they kept
0: killing them why were they killing them? Because they kept telling them things they didn't want to hear. Do You see, the function of the prophet and the function of prophecy is to show forth. That's what it's for. That, that's why it exists. That's why you've been gifted with it. And I know there's all this stuff and people will argue this point. Say, well, prophecy is for the church. Or prophecy is for this. Or prophecy is for that. Or whatever they want to tell you it's for. Number one. Un, un, uno. Uno, uh, one, primo, here, reason. For us to have these gifts is to show forth. That's what it is. I mean, there would be no command, no command in Psalm 105, 15, about not touching God's anointed if their primary function wasn't to show forth. He had to give a command for people not to kill them. And whether it be the prophet or whether it be the prophet king or whether it be the prophet, whoever it is, it was who God had called to begin to show forth, begin to proclaim that which was going on inside to those that are outside. Period. And if we're not doing that, there ain't no reason for it. Part of the reason I think God blesses prophecy in our midst is because we, number one, use it to go out and share the gospel with people. And I think he's blessed it over and over and over again in our midst. I was just talking to somebody the other day. I said, how many churches do you know where everybody prophesies? Zero. And part of the reason for that is because it's not used correctly. That's part of the reason. You want to use it correctly, you want to use it for what it's made for, God's going to multiply it and He's going to bless it. You want to use it for what you want to use it for, mm. not so much multiplication and blessing. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Of course it does. But not like we know it. Because we need to show forth. And so I want to give you one example that you can relate to right there. Because God uses every one of you in that. Every single person here. And how God will bless that and He will multiply that in you as you continue to show up forth. But you have accepted that as part of your identity. Now think about some of these other areas that I'm talking about. If you could accept that as part of your identity, what God would bless and multiply in those areas too. You see, this is how it works. We come in line with what He has. We come in line with His truth. We come in line with His Word. And there is blessing. There's multiplication there. There's power there. There's freedom. There's liberty. There's all the things that we long for. All the things that our heart cries out for are in the midst of that. We believe Him. We can. Chosen. An empire of priests. Holy. Because God says. A peculiar people in God's pocket. people called to show forth. So I wanted to do that one last, it's not, that wasn't in order. But I wanted to do it last because I wanted to leave you with something that you can see and you know. This is what the difference they, they can make in someone's life, in your life. And, and I want you to see that and understand it for what it is. But understand there's more in each of these areas. You know, he ends by talking about it, the marvelous light. We call it that marvelous light. That wasn't just a word; like he didn't just throw it in there like marvelous. Oh, that's marvelous! That's marvelous. Love that light. It's so nice. But the word literally speaks of the miraculous, and Peter had seen the miraculous. He saw fishermen changed into world changers. He saw men that were afraid of their own shadows giving their lives willingly for something they believed in. He saw men and women standing up to the most powerful government on the face of the earth for what they believed in. It was miraculous. He saw thousands of people come to know Jesus in in one moment. It's miraculous. It was miraculous what he was seeing. And he understood the miraculous call to dynamic change to each one of us. And so, when he says marvelous, he means it. I mean, that's really what he means. Miraculous, marvelous, beyond understanding, beyond comprehension. And that's the type of dynamic change that we've been called to, if we're willing to believe it. We say, God says, We got easy, or we have the application of faith. Then that's up to you. It's up to me. That's up to each one of us. Again, we're back to where we started from. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? You've got one example. Most of us have at least one example of success in what I'm talking about tonight. One example. How about another example? How about one more of those things? And then another, and another. That is dynamic change in our life, cascading change that can take place. Right, any questions, anybody, or any comments Something that I
2: thought
1: about when you were talking about the chosen part was you can see that in evangelism when you're going out there are certain people that you know you'll just walk by them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you it's, it's sometimes you might go, well, oh, should I? And then you just know. No, you just move by them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that you don't feel bad or anything. It's just like, oh, that's just not it. Right.
0: That's part of that process, you mean? And understanding it. <coughs> You know, I had plenty of moments that I could have accepted Christ into my life before I did. Lots of moments. Many things that happened in my life I could have made that decision I did. it wasn't. That wasn't the time.
1: Whatever that means. I've seen that on the flip side too, where I'm like. <coughs> Like uh there specifically I remember this one time there was these two people and it was like one was on this side of the building and one was here and got told me to talk to this person I was like well while I'm here, you know, mm-hmm. I'll engage this other person too and just F it all up. Mm-hmm. It turned into a big fiasco. But mm-hmm. it was a good learning experience, but um yeah, even if they're right next to each other, it's not necessary.
0: Right. Any other thoughts? Thank
2: you. In the tribe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a real mentality of community living, though. Right. You know, people are resistant to that, and they're going to have a real hard time coming to groups will being chosen as a member. Right.
0: So. <coughs> yeah, and, and people don't like it. Obviously. Right.
2: Yeah. Because you know, I think tribe's a great word because. You really give up your, I mean my my understanding of tribes from like education is Mm -hmm. you live and you pool pool your resources for the tribe, for the success, for the perpetuation, for the vitality, the surviving, for all of that, for the life of your tribe Mm -hmm. and your identity is really caught up in that tribe, Mm -hmm. like you would have a tattoo that's specific to your tribe. Right. I heard a part of about teaching recently that compared being on a team toward being on a tribe mm-hmm. and how like you know like being on a team like even like the example is, like you're not really t- you're just on the same team like you could mm-hmm. change teams or whatever mm-hmm. but like the tribal mentality is so much deeper because of the main goal or like and like the end result, but that you resolve to something a lot deeper mm-hmm. than just being, having the same jersey mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. think of that.
0: Well, tribal life also is a lot more about survival. It's not really, winning is it
3: takes on a whole new me. <laughs> right. Mm. I like the term tribe because even when I'm overseas, I know here, you see that's with me. Mm-hmm. I need to be in the middle of the jungle and or doing whatever and I know I could just feel it. I just know it. You know. Even if the internet's down for a month, I can just home's here. Mm-hmm. You know. And there's always the welcome when I come home, and it's just awesome. It's cool too, because
1: everybody has a purpose in a tribe. Everybody has a tribe mm-hmm. you doing something, mm-hmm. something you're not doing something in the tribe to find something
2: in Right. Kind of
1: like your thing is pitiful survival. It also helps us to identify with a larger family than ourselves. Uh-huh. Plus, with <clears throat> the teachings that you've had on, on love and rela- relationships and different things and just redefining family,
2: <clears throat>
1: as a tribe, we do that uh-huh. in various you know, all tribes through history see themselves as a larger family unit, maybe, and I think that's pretty cool, and it's different than what our culture has to offer, and especially traditional, like our traditional families and stuff.
3: Right. I think too. You use the word survival. I think that's. I know when I go out and evangelize, I think things I've gone for like could just. Empathize with people that I, you know, like to stop. I can feel it, and just you know, able to pray deeper and just understand deeper of what they've gone through. It's a cool, that kind of a cool insight, you know.
0: And some of us fight it. Uh, some of us really have something in us that really fights that whole uh, relationship like that. We don't like it, and. uh other people embrace it right away. And so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch people try and negotiate that, yeah. And you kind of sense people that really embrace it right away, you know. And then and there's people that struggle with it and have struggled with it for years. And understanding is countercultural, too. People don't like that. Why is this any of your business? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not. All
2: right. Anything else? Make me think of that Barbarian Way book.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's well, that guy's name? McMannan Man-Man? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Say that
2: three
0: times fast. McCann McMannan Man-Man.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. m and Hmm? What's that?
0: M&M's. Amen, man. All right, let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, who you say we are. Yeah. I pray that we would exercise a little bit of faith tonight. And even, though if we, even if we can't see it, which maybe we can't right now, I pray we'd exercise some faith and begin to move toward it. Set our aim and our sights on it. some action. Apply some faith. and As we do, I pray that you change the way we see things, the way we see ourselves. And I pray for some dynamic change to take place in our lives. Some miraculous, marvelous, dynamic change to take place where we shed the old and embrace the new. We shed the lies and embrace the truth. Even if it's one truth at a time. We take hold of it. I'm afraid we wouldn't be satisfied just sitting in the same spot. But I pray you shake us and wake us up and begin to move closer and closer to you, your light, and your truth. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right.
2: Good
0: to see everybody tonight. Thanks for coming.
2: You are dismissed. <laughs> Thanks,